0: Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See bball B ball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
1: Welcome back, Buffalo Bills fans. It's Matt Warren, editor in chief of BuffaloRunlinks.com. I'm the host of Buffalo Rumlings QA on the Buffalo Rumlings Podcast Network. The Buffalo Bills lost to the New England Patriots this past weekend, and uh, it's not great. Uh, the, the Bills are in a really tough spot in the not just the AFC East playoff race, but also in the wildcard race. They're going to need to win the vast majority of their games heading down the stretch in order to make the playoffs, and they're going to need some help in order to win the AFC East. They can do it. Um, I mean, if Buffalo runs the table, they are the AFC East champs. But they haven't won consecutive games, uh, you know, in two months. So it's going to be it's going to be a big deal for them to make the playoffs. They're it's not as foregone of a conclusion as we may have thought it was when they were four one and uh, just off their win over the Kansas City Chiefs. But all that's Aside for right now, because I've got some your questions to answer. If you want to send in your questions for next week's episode, you can call us or text us at 716-508-0405. You can email us buffalo rumlings at spnation.com. You can send us tweets at rumlings Q and A with the word and spelled out in the middle. Facebook and Instagram messages to the official Buffalo Rumlings account will make their way to me as well. So get your questions in for next week's episode. We had a bunch of questions after Monday Night Football, of course, with lots of people wanting somebody to blame. Um, I think you're gonna hear me blame pretty much everyone on the roster at some point over the course of the next uh, 20 minutes or so. So um, if you wanna know who I think is to blame for the loss, it's, you know, I, I posted the uh, the Palpatine gif on Monday night after the game. I think it's everyone. And um, it's I think everybody had a, a part to play in that as much as you know micah hyde or sean mcdermott or you know whoever in their post game press conferences wants to say that you know we were close we were close we were close but there was a lot of deficiencies on the buffalo bills monday night and it you can say it's the weather if you want but i don't think it was the weather so uh, first let's t- to the takeaways that i had um right after the game while i'm not blaming the weather for what happened to the Buffalo Bills. It certainly set the tone for the entire game. Both teams came out really cautious, running the ball um, 25 mile an hour winds with gusts more than 50 miles an hour. The Patriots started the game with 10 straight runs, and the first half had 23 runs and just one pass. It was the fewest in a game, uh, in a, the first half of a game since at least 1978. They didn't really have records going back further than that. Um, after that first pass, they went another 32 consecutive runs. Um, maybe it says something about Mac Jones, who finished two for three for the night, um, including a little screen pass. Um, you know, but his, you know, I think the furthest he threw down the field was 14 yards. And uh, that was to the wide open tight end in the first half. Uh, the kicking game was fun. New England's second punt went just 15 yards. But then the same punter kicked a 72 yard punt going the opposite way so um, you know, obviously Tyler Bass isn't going to call it fun but it certainly affected and impacted the game and I mean honestly I think it made the Bills super cautious probably too cautious like the reason you draft Josh Allen is because he's got a super powerful arm you got to use it and they started to open it up in the second half and I thought it looked better in the second half the offense looked better in the second half with Josh Allen throwing it as opposed to trying to run it all the time my next takeaway is probably the most controversial one uh but it's just that mcdermott isn't ready for primetime. um the multiple shots of him screaming at the refs um, over little minor things um the strange challenge he had in the second half on new england's fourth fourth down sneak he just felt like he was pressing the whole game and even in the post game press conference this isn't in my takeaways because i write the the takeaways before the press conference, it seemed like he was answering questions to show that he wasn't pressing, um, talking about, you know, oh, look, let's not give Bill Belichick too much credit or you know, whatever it happened to be. It just felt like even in the post-game press conference, he was tense, he wasn't relaxed, he wasn't loose the entire game. Um, whenever they showed him on the sidelines in the post-game press conference, I mean, I wouldn't expect him to be like, you know, relaxed during the postgame press conference after a loss like that, but he just, it seemed like he was pressing. Um, His decision to attempt a 33-yard field goal with seven minutes left when Buffalo was down with four points and driving into the wind was strange. Um, I get that later they could have, you know, been able to kick a field goal to win it. But I mean, I'd rather have five shots at the end zone than one shot at, a 33-yard field goal into the wind with the wind swirling and then four shots later. And that's essentially what they were able to do. Uh, the defense dabbled in the 4-3. In fact, they they went more than 50% of their game plan in 4-3, and that makes sense with how many runs the New England Patriots were doing. Now, it does need to be said that A.J. Klein was placed onto the COVID-19 uh, list just before the game. I don't know when they found out <clears throat> that he had tested positive, for COVID-19 um, to adjust the game plan, but it didn't seem like they had enough time to readjust it. I mean, so they played on Thanksgiving, and then they played on Monday night, whatever it was, 11 days later. They installed a whole package with A.J. Klein, probably, and then Terrell Dotson had to step in and play that role, and I thought he did okay. Uh, he overpursued a couple times, but, you know, obviously it would have been better if A.J. Klein, that heady veteran, had been in there, I think, uh, and he's a, a solid run defender in my opinion. But they took Taron Johnson off the field really for the first time this year in large chunks. They've done it. They've been dabbling in it the last couple weeks, um, just but like just for a few snaps, not half the game, which is what they did uh, this time. So uh, it it made sense based on what the Patriots were doing, and. Um, I wish it had worked better. Uh, let's just say that. Speaking of working better, grounded and pounded. The Bills defense gave up a long touchdown run to the Patriots in the first quarter and played from behind all game because of it. Um, I've been seeing a lot of folks that are like, well, without that 65-yard touchdown run, the Bills run defense played pretty well. Well, sure, but they gave up you know, 222 yards on the ground on 46 rushing attempts, which is 4.8 yards per attempt. That's not good. And you can't just take out that long run because obviously it matters. Um, it includes Mac Jones running backwards on two plays to end the game, too. So, like, if you're going to take out the long run, you have to take out those two you know, running backwards runs. It's the second time this year they've allowed more than 200 yards on the ground. This is a problem. It's a problem for the Bills. It has been a problem for the Bills. What's going to happen in a few weeks if the New England Patriots do the same damn thing? To the buffalo bills even though the wind isn't like you know crazy in foxborough on december 26th like this is a problem so the bills have to address it it's been one of my top priorities to get a huge run stuffing one tech defensive tackle obviously star latulia coming back from his covid 19 diagnosis and playing back to full strength will help but it's it's still a problem moving forward and harrison phillips did an admiral admirable job easy for me to say but um, you know just not up to the level that it needed to be in the game next up is Dawson Knox and his missed opportunities he started the game with a drop on third and seven on the opening drive I think if he catches that he's able to turn up field and get the you know extra yard or two he needed to get the bills the first down and they needed to score when they had the wind at their back Um, and so I, I I was really disappointed in that particular play because it it really should have been a catch and conversion, uh, but it just didn't happen that way. In the second quarter, uh, on third and 19, he had the ball to convert a new set of downs in his hands, but allowed the defender to knock it out. And I saw some people saying that it was a nice play by the defense, but sure. But you can also have a nice play by the offense where Dawson Knox, your big, tight end, is able to put his body between the defender and the ball to You know, kind of pull out the basketball skills and box out to get the rebound. He could have done that to kind of set the tone for what was going to happen later uh, in the game as well. And so just using your physicality, getting between the defender and the ball, just it's a skill that he has to learn. And I don't really want to bash him, but he's been really hit and miss since he broke his hand. And so I'm just wondering how much of it is that and how much of it is... You know, he's just not going to be, you know, your number one tight end in this league. And he's a number two tight end. And that's not to take anything out away from, you know, his ability. And obviously, he scored seven touchdowns this year. So he's he's doing something right. But, you know, figuring out how to use your body to keep the defender away from the ball is is so important. And I just wish that he did that on you know, third down um, to get just to, to, to move the chains there. Um, on third and nine at the end of the game, he had a false start, so that was a mental error, not even a physical one. And then on third and fourteen, uh, had again a chance at the ball in the end zone to put the Bills in the lead, and he allowed the defender to get through his body to get to the ball. Now I'm not saying, you know, I, I just wish one of these he would have been able to do it and use his body effectively. And finally, miscues end up mattering for both teams. Matt Breida in the first half was playing with fire. First of all, he puts the ball on the ground, which I'm sure irritated the heck out of Sean McDermott. Uh, Breida ends up only with seven carries the entire night and a huge split, not seven carries, I'm sorry, seven snaps the entire tight night and a huge split from Devin Singletary and Zach Moss starting in the second quarter because they didn't trust what Breida was doing. Um, in the first quarter, he uh, ha- also had a kickoff return Uh, where he kind of like stuck his hand out to try and stop the ball and it luckily went into the end zone for a touchback but like it just felt like a bad decision on his part to even try to field that ball so those miscues obviously mattered uh for Breda. Tyler Bass missing a 33 yard attempt I don't want to kill him for that because of the swirling wind um and then for the Patriots you know they had their one miscue turned into a Buffalo touchdown when uh the punt grazed their returner in the helmet. I was glad the Sky Judge was able to fix that problem without the Bills having to challenge it. And then finally Saran Neal falling on it. That was a really heads-up play from Saran Neal. So it, the Bills ha- benefited from a miscue. The Patriots certainly benefited from Buffalo's miscues. But it just it, it ended up mattering. So let's get to your questions before we get too far into our episode today. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this break our first comment comes from a Dennis Olette, who says last summer when I predicted the bills would finish 10 and seven I was ostracized by the bills mafia on Facebook looks like those fools who put Allen on a pedestal making it too difficult for him to live up to those overachieving expectations will now be saying next year dennis that is not a question but let's go back and take a look at josh allen i thought he had a pretty good game uh considering the conditions Uh, i thought he was able to push the ball down the field it did move on him several times but just the fact that he was able to complete some of those passes um that long pass to stefan diggs i mean it was a great throw um it would have been you know a a miraculous catch if stefan diggs had come down with it and he almost did but I thought Allen played pretty well in the wind. If you compare his stats, you know, last year to this year, he's right on track with where he was last year. I think this really just goes to show you that wins aren't a quarterback statistic and that some of the other stuff that's happening with the Bills is really driving their lower record this year. Plus, it's a little bit of a regression to the mean. The Bills won a whole bunch of one-score games last year where they had to come back and win um, at the end of the game. Uh, Think about your games against the Seattle Seahawks or Los Angeles Rams. I guess not the Seahawks. Um, The Rams is the one I'm thinking of. But they won a lot of one-score games. They won against the New England Patriots because Cam Newton fumbled. You know, they won because of opponent miscues in several of those games. And they haven't been catching those breaks in 2021 and haven't been finishing games specifically on defense. And so you can see how the Bills have these nice rankings but haven't really been able to put it all together in the same game and really finish it off against good teams. So I'm certainly not faulting Josh Allen for this. I think he's playing very well this year. And so if you want to, I mean, yes, of course, some of us had like overzealous expectations, like maybe Josh Allen could be MVP. Maybe he could be the best quarterback in the game. I still think those things can be true Um, and just wins aren't a quarterback stat. So, I mean, you put those two things together in your comment, and I just wanted to make sure that we called that out here for a second. and 10-7 and Josh Allen being no good or whatever, not as great as people were predicting, are two very different things. I predicted four or five losses for the Bills this year, mainly because I anticipated that regression to the mean on those close one-score games. But, you know, the, the way that they've been losing here and the fact that they still have very losable games coming up is a little bit scary. So uh, thanks for uh, writing in, Dennis, over at Rumbling's Q and a on Twitter. Doug on Twitter asks us, We have Diggs, Sanders, Knox, Beasley, and Davis, and yet since the bye, they've basically been non-existent. Where do we go from here? Why are we not utilizing our strengths? Well, I mean, obviously in this game, that's one of the reasons they weren't utilizing their strengths was because you know the wind was scaring them it's probably the right way to say it Uh, i think the second half showed that the bills could pass with the wind um and against the wind and so i i don't know why they didn't try that a little bit sooner um after the bye i mean they scored 45 points against the jets they scored 31 against the saints dawson knox in particular um has scored a bunch there I mean if, if you're talking about the game against the Jacksonville Jaguars absolutely but of course the the offensive line was a problem in that game and you didn't mention them in your question so I mean they only had 15 points against the Colts again that's you know a problem I'm not 100% sure um specifically what you're asking about I mean they've been passing it around I've been you asked about Davis I'm excited to see them getting Gabe Davis uh more involved his snap count's going up I think Their ultimate plan was to have him start the 2022 season as their starter, but they really should accelerate that. Um, To your point, Beasley hasn't really been involved. Um, That's because he was hurt for a little bit of a stretch there. Um, I don't think he is as good as he was last year, and I think that they're coming to terms with that, both Beasley and the Bills' offense. Um, He's not as quick. Um, maybe this is the end of his career. Maybe his shiftiness is gone. Um, so there's, I mean, a lot of different reasons for a lot of the different players you're talking about. Um, I I think they have enough weapons to keep changing it up and keep going with it moving forward. And we'll see a little bit of a different game plan this week against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, they had that extra time off between the Saints game and the Patriots game, but then whole bunch of that game planning had to go out the window when the weather report changed so we'll see uh i'm I'm not giving up on the offense just yet you know they're still have have a lot of talented players and i really respect the job brian dable's been doing as offensive coordinator so i don't think that you know it's time to write them off just yet thanks for your question over on twitter doug at RumLinks q and a Randy asks us, when do we give up on this sorry franchise? I mean, I don't know when you're going to give up. I've got way too many clothes and money invested in, like, apparel to give up on them anytime soon. So um, I'm not going to be giving up on them unless they move because they can't get a stadium done. So that would be hard for me. But thanks, Randy. Matt Romney asks us, how many players would we have needed to field in order to stop the run? It's a great question. Um, they they did okay stopping the run, but when you know that the Patriots are going to run, you should do better than okay. They had several tackles for a loss because they were able to get into the backfield, but you need to have more of those. Um, I think Monday Night Football did a really nice job of showing the pin and pull and the blocking schemes that the Patriots were using to get leverage and get openings. Um, I think they did a really nice job highlighting the really long touchdown run and how Micah Hyde and, well, definitely Micah Hyde, definitely Terrell Dotson and probably Tremaine Edmonds pursued further than they should uh, with the flow and then allowed the cutback lane. Um, Micah Hyde was way over the top trying to go up and stop that run uh, and didn't see the cutback. So, um, (laughs) So it was a lot of things. It wasn't just the defensive line but a lot of it was the defensive line, and so it's it's tricky because I, I think that if you put the right couple guys out there and swap them out, I think you can stop the run. Uh, but the, run, the way that the Bills use their run fits, if one guy over pursues or one guy isn't in his right spot, then it can lead to big chunk plays like we saw. So I mean, mo- one more guy on the field, two more guys on the field, three more guys on the field, I don't think it matters if they're not in the right spot. So thanks for your question over at Rumley's Q&A. Back to the offensive side of the ball. Carl Weathers, what's wrong with the red zone offense? It seems this team can't get points when it should be the easiest. Well, I personally have been advocating for them to pass the ball more into the end zone when they're in or near the red zone. So it was nice for me to see on that first drive that they passed it to the end zone or at least right in front of the end zone using the end zone yardage as a way to extend the field because they had been just throwing short passes you know five or ten yards down the field in front of the goal line uh, on the very next red zone trip they did the exact same thing and that was nice to see again it it sailed a little bit on Josh Allen and they ended up kicking a field goal on that drive um, because the wind pushed the ball but again they they went for the end zone they went for the, st- the touchdown Uh, Later, he threw the ball into the end zone to Dawson Knox, and Knox wasn't able to use his positioning, as we have already talked about at length at the beginning of this podcast. So, and then on the final drive, I thought that the Patriots going in cover zero should have meant the Bills were going to convert that final fourth down. Um, That cornerback made a really gutsy play to try and play both receivers, um, he followed Josh Allen's eyes a little bit, and I thought that was, like I said, gutsy, c- considering he was the only guy on Cole Beasley. Um, so when Allen threw to the back, um, the back wide receiver instead of Beasley over the middle, you know, Beasley was open. Uh, I think both of them were open, uh, but that cornerback made a really heads-up and really gutsy decision uh, to peel off and uh, knock the pass away on fourth down. So uh, they threw to the end zone and on all three of their red zone trips that didn't score. And I thought they had good chances to score on each one of those. They just didn't execute. So for me, I'm not the one blaming Brian Dable for it. I know Sean McDermott did after the game and a couple other people have. I thought that those were execution, especially on that, um, the play where Josh Allen, um, this was going right to left in the fourth quarter where Josh Allen, on, I think it was on uh, second down. He got knocked back. Uh, fell over not after being knocked by his offensive lineman and then got up and just had that whole, I don't know, seemed like a county of errors routine. Um, that's execution. That's not on Brian Dable. That's a guy getting blocked back into Josh Allen. as Josh Allen falling down. I mean, it's execution. So The Bills were 12th going into this week in red zone scoring percentage. They're down to 18th right now. They scored on 58.82 of their red zone trips they score touchdowns i should say on 58.82 of their red zone trips so i mean they're still doing pretty well in terms of overall scoring and everything like that so i just i'm taking a little bit of pause on you know insanely criticizing the offense especially after the game we just saw the biggest problem i had with the offense wasn't the red zone play calls it was why were they so scared to throw the ball in the first quarter or the first half or, you know, run Josh Allen on some of those designed quarterback runs. You know, why didn't they do those things? I didn't have a huge problem with the play calls in the red zone. So thanks for your question over on Twitter. I might do a little bit of a deeper dive on that later this week, Carl. Uh, We'll see how the week plays out with the short uh, week. John Flood. Dable is not the answer, and I'm questioning number 17. Well, that's not a question. How can I answer that? Uh, Beal Nomer says, is Dable not a complete moron? The most unimaginative offensive coordinator on earth. Either a run up the middle for two yards, a crappy RPO, or a five-step drop for Josh where he had to run for his life. Dable is garbage. If Josh is running for his life after a five-step drop, that's on the offensive line. So (laughs) it's... Not necessarily on Dable. Um, So let's talk about that. Is Brian Dable a, quote, complete moron for a second? The Bills are fifth in points scored and ninth in yards. They were higher before this game, obviously. Um, They were the number one scoring offense for a good chunk of this season. They were the number one um, yardage offense for a good chunk of this season. They are doing really well in a lot of areas. The run design, the run game design isn't great. I wish they had a run game coordinator or brought somebody in to help with that. Uh, But they're scoring and they're scoring a lot in a lot of games. You're just looking at the games that they lost and saying, well, they only scored six against the Jaguars. True. Or they only scored uh, 10 against the the Patriots or, you know, whatever. But it's on the whole, they're scoring a lot of points. They only scored 15 against Indianapolis, too. But, you know, time of possession, they only had I, I mean, they had fewer than their normal number of drives, but then they've also scored 31 against the saints, 45 against the jets, 26 against the dolphins, 31 against the Titans, 38 against the chiefs, 40 against the Texans, 43 against Washington, 35 against Miami. Um, you know, they should have scored more than 16 points in the opening week for sure. You know, I, It's hard. It's, it's a week to week league. It's a lot about execution. And even the question you asked is about execution. You know, they, you know, a, sh- a crappy RPO or a five-step drop where Josh has to run for his life, that's execution more often than not. Um, so maybe his players can't execute what his vision is, but then clearly Sean McDermott has a different vision because he wants to win at the line of scrimmage, but I don't know if like, you have the personnel for that. Um, you know, Mitch Morris isn't you know, a mauling center. He's a guy that is lighter on his feet, really smart, uh, can pull for you. So maybe they need to do more of the pin and pull stuff where you, know, you get Gabe Davis in that kind of uh, off-tackle situation and he blocks down on the defensive end and Mitch Morris comes out as the lead blocker to the edge to, to handle the linebacker coming down or you know the, the, the safety. So maybe that's the answer. Maybe it's a different run design. But again, I wish they brought in a run game coordinator to handle stuff like that um, and not just let Brian Dable be the you know, whole kit and caboodle with that run game. So maybe that's a change we see this offseason if Brian Dable doesn't leave for a head coaching opportunity somewhere else. Billy, why do the Bills still employ Sean McDermott? He did a fine job rebuilding, but never going to get them over the hump. Um, he gets scared on game day. I, I agree with you on getting scared on game day. The reason I think the Bills haven't moved on from Sean McDermott is they're still coming out of that rebuild and He's shown a growth mindset. He's shown the ability to get better as an NFL head coach. And so if he can continue getting better as an NFL head coach over and over again, uh, then that's a good thing, right? Like he's shown he had a deficiency in analytics. So he hired an analytics guy to get better at analytics. He's shown the ability to get better. And I'm hoping that at some point he can get better than what he is now. Cause he's better now than he was when he was first-year head coach he's better now than when he was hired he's better now than last year like he gets better that's the growth mindset piece and he's not fixed as in terms of being an NFL head coach so while I agree with you that he does tend to tense up and tighten up in big situations I think he's certainly capable of getting the bills to the Super Bowl and winning the Super Bowl um, maybe not today uh, but he has shown that growth mindset over the years so thanks for that question over on Twitter at rummlingss and Josh Tompkins asks us about replacing Tremaine Edmonds. I don't want to replace Tremaine Edmonds. I think he's a very solid linebacker. I think he's great in coverage. I think he's um, good at run support. I don't think he's great at run support, but he's good at run support. He had a problem shedding some blocks against the New England Patriots. But on the whole, I really like his skill set, and I like his game. And dude's only 23. So he can still learn some of those techniques and still go on to have a really nice career. Um, he's under contract for next season. Uh, you know, They're s- certainly going to keep him uh, for the fifth year option. Um, I, I don't think he's going anywhere anytime soon. It's already guaranteed money. Thanks for your question over on Twitter at Q and a We've got one more question and it comes to us from the text line at 716-508. 0405. the person who texted us didn't leave their name but they said do you think the nfl would install a play clock similar to the nba where there's a decimal showing under say five seconds or a buzzer to announce when it truly hits zero so that we can get rid of the arbitrary blow the whistle at zero for a delay of game scenario i definitely don't think they're going to install a buzzer they like they don't want to have to be a split second like the play starts and then the buzzer goes off um, It'll be a guy on the field still. Um, I could see them going to, you know, the decimal system, but I, I doubt it. You know, it, the way that they always explain it is that the, the back judge is supposed to see the zero on the clock, then look down and see the ball hasn't been snapped yet. It was very Hard for me to believe that the back judge was able to do that when they called delay of game on the bills in this game But you know more often than not I don't want to see that penalty called if they snap it within a second of the clock hitting zero the play clock hitting zero I'm, okay with that. I just I don't want to see the game slow down even more and that would slow it down more So I I don't think that you're gonna get the arbitrary buzzer or something like that So thanks for your question over on our voicemail line 716 508 0405 that's just one of the ways you can contact us uh, via text message you can also send your voicemails to that number 716-508-0405 you can tweet us at rumblings q and a send us emails buffalo at sbnation.com plenty of ways to get in touch with the show we ran long this week. Um, you guys had a lot of questions after, you know, a, a, a pretty thorough beating from the New England Patriots, even though it was a four-point game. So, hopefully, uh, we'll be in better spirits next week after our trip to Tampa. Um, go Bills!